Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's good to be with you all this morning. I was here just a few weeks ago. I got to baptize two of my grandkids. And uh, I love this place because my kids love this place. And, uh, and I also want to say thanks. Pastor Jeremy and your missions team have been working with us on a project with, uh, I don't know if y'all have heard of CareNet. There's a pregnancy center that's, uh, there's one in Cyprus, there's one over near Champion Forest where I work, and they were about to open up a new CareNet pregnancy center in Humble, not far from here, and y'all's church has been a part of that. And I think it's gonna save countless lives, and uh, God's gonna use that, and so it's, it opens up in January, and so you might pray for that. CareNet Women's Pregnancy Center is gonna be opening up uh, I think right across from the stadium in Humble. And so excited about that. And I got to sp- spend some time with Pastor Jeremy and your missions team the other day, and they were so open about it. And I'm really, really grateful. It's like I say, it's good to be here. My son-in-law goes, he works here. Uh, when I, uh, when I asked my, when my son-in-law asked me if he could marry my daughter, I said, Michael, do you understand how far out of your league my daughter is? <laughs> and he's really, if y'all, y'all probably don't know him because he kind of works behind the scenes, but as only he could in the driest humor that he could, he just said, look at you. Uh, because my wife's really pretty. In fact, I was at a restaurant the other night and the waiter said, how did you get her? And I go, God is good and I'm the one tipping you and that hurt, okay? So, hey, uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 73. Um, I, I just want us this morning, I really think, uh, just... One of the things that we, we struggle with in our culture today, almost every single day, is just getting perspective. The ability to get perspective, to see what's important, um, and, and to figure out what's true and what's not true. What's, what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. And on any given day, sometimes those things get out of, out of kilter. And so I just want us to look here in, in Psalm 73. Asaph was a gifted musician. Uh, he was a, a writer of hymns. He was the minister of music in the temple. And he's wrestling uh, with the stumbling block of many good men, many of us in this room, when just the present prosperity of wicked men and the sorrows of the godly. If you've been in the church for very long, you, you see things and you're just going, God, why in the world? Like the pregnancy center. We have people in our church, and I'm sure you have people in your church that would, if God would allow them to get pregnant and have a child, it would be the greatest thing in the world to them. And they can't for some reason. And one of the beautiful things about CareNet is this gives us a way to do that. For a mom who probably has has to make a hard decision about whether she can even keep the baby or not. But instead of killing the child, which is what abortion is, she can give the baby up for adoption and bless somebody else and they can raise that child for, for Jesus. And so perspective is really, really hard to find. And like I say, we look around and we think, man, this is not fair. I don't know about you, but you know, I, I struggle with that all the time. And so let's look in Psalm 73. Let me, let me pray for us and especially pray for me. Okay. <coughs> Father in heaven, um, just thank you for, um, that you know everything about us and you love us anyway. I don't, I don't know everybody in this room this morning, but that's true. You're every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today, you have a crush on that you never get over. I can't fathom that, but I know it's true. And so, Father, I pray that we would, you would help us. 
Because God, we can't get perspective without you and your word. We just, it's, it's not possible. Uh, the glasses that we wear or that you gave us um, don't see that well without you and without your word. And so God, help us to see things your way because it's always the best way. And so we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of this morning. God, these people don't need to hear from this, from me, but they desperately need to hear from you. And so God, I pray that, Lord, uh, your words would jump out at them and, and God, that, Lord, they would have invested this hour of their lives in a very, in a very good way, God. So we love you, we thank you, and we ask you to do what only you can do. Change the hearts and minds of men and women for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 73, the psalmist starts out and he says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then in verse two, he says, he says but it's for me, I'm struggling. Y'all ever, do y'all know anybody that's just happy all the time? Anybody know somebody that's like, just ridiculously happy? Do, do they make you sick? Huh? Do they bother you? I mean, the world is not usually like that, okay? I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm fairly melancholy. I can go really low, really fast. My wife is one of those, she's always positive. It's really good that we're married together because if we weren't, our house would be terrible, okay? But, but Asaph is just being really, really honest. He said, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He's making a statement. God is good. God is good. Cody Carnes has a song out right now. God is good, and he can only be good. That's true. But the psalmist is authentic in verse 2. <coughs> but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. He's just confessing, I'm struggling. I mean, I, I am struggling. And, and he said, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and he goes on and he said, there are no pains in their death. Their body's fat and pampered. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eye budges from fatness, bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their mind run right, run right. It just, this disturbing problem. And the psalmist says, I nearly fell into doubt. Do y'all ever look at people and you're going, why? I mean, uh, I, I grew up, my parents grew up, my wife's father bought her a Camaro, a brand new Camaro for a graduation present. My parents got me a 10-year-old Ford Maverick, okay? That is not fair, okay? I'm a guy. I, a Ford Maverick does nothing for my ego, okay? In fact, people just laughed at me. I mean, it was red, too. That was the other bad thing. And it, was, it had been painted several times, okay? It was not a cool car. Clearly, my wife did not marry me for my car, okay? She also did not marry me for my hair, okay? So just in case you didn't know, I don't have any hair, okay? And if I walk up to you this morning and said, your hair looks lovely, trust me, I mean it with all my heart, okay? But the psalmist is looking around and he's just saying, man, uh, things are not fair. Um, these people are doing whatever they want and they're getting away, and they're getting away with it. Y'all ever thought that before? They're doing everything they want and they're getting away with it. And one of the things I've learned in my, my lifetime is people are not going to get away with anything. There, there's a great verse in the Old Testament that says, be sure your sins will find you out. I've seen that happen far too many times in my own life and in other people's lives. It's funny how we try to hide. It's kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve, where are you? Oh, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Um, because we were ashamed. Why are you ashamed? Because sin came into the world. They brought it into the world. They chose. They made choices. 
And so the psalmist is really struggling. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to get perspective. And it's hard. Perspective, the capacity to view things in their true relations or their relative importance. Perspective is the lens through which you and I see the world. Um, I was joking with the guys. I have a Toyota Tundra pickup truck. Pretty good sized pickup truck. It's two years old. And it's, uh, it's white. It's big. It's got huge tires on it. And, uh, and I was doing fine until the other day. A Chevy, like, I don't know what it was, but it was a foot and a half taller than my truck. Y'all seen this? And guess what I did? I go, God, what is wrong with this picture? I need that truck. Or maybe a car pulls up next to you and it's really, really nice. And maybe you've been watching commercials on television. And you know, the, the world is always trying to get you to think that you don't have enough. And you and I would be very, very wrong if that's true. Most of us have more than we ever dreamed or imagined. The psalmist had a sight problem. He lost sight of the eternal. He gave full attention to the temporal. He was consumed by envy and by appetites. I, uh, I shared a story with a group in the first hour that when I was a youth pastor at Champion Forest many moons ago, I, I did not have a brand new car until I was 30 years of age. And uh, I, we, any of you in the room like to go to the car deal and, and mess around with the salesman and do that whole rig and roll where he tells you, here's how much it costs. Do any of y'all like that? Put your hand up. You love that. Y'all are sick, okay? <laughs> Something's wrong with you, okay? But I, we had a guy on our staff like this. He was a, he was a pastor, and I think he was a Christian. And, uh, but <laughs> after watching him deal with this Mazda salesman, I'm not sure. Because the Mazda salesman in the middle of the deal said, if I had to deal with you every day, Mr. Ayler, I couldn't feed my family. And the pastor, Mr. Ayler, said, that's not my problem, feeding your family. Like, pretty much, I don't care about you. Okay? So he ends up getting me a Mazda 323 station wagon, which doesn't sound like a really cool vehicle. But Mazda's coming back now. It's cool now. But he gets me a Mazda 323 station wagon. I was really proud of it. It was brand new. We had two kids. It held the kids. It was awesome. It was awesome until I drive back to the church parking lot at Champion Forest. And I pull into our parking spot in my new car. I was pretty proud of it. And one of the kids, 17-year-old junior in high school, drives in in a Porsche 929. And I'm with my wife and I go, Kelly. What in the world? And I started doing probably what some of you would do. That girl's gonna, that car's gonna ruin that girl's life. It's gonna be the worst thing that ever happened to her. She doesn't deserve that car. What is she? She doesn't have anything to look forward to. In fact, I told Kelly, we need that Porsche. And Kelly goes, where are we gonna put the kids? And I go, who cares about the kids? We'd have a Porsche. You know, this is, this is life. We all in this room, whether you admit it or not, you have appetites. You know, uh, it's kind of like going to a restaurant and you were hungry for something. Maybe you had it in your mind and then somebody else ordered something and you go, man, that sounds really good too. You know, the world is not your friend. It is your enemy. And it's this wanting, wanting, wanting. And the psalmist is struggling. He's got myopia. He, he can only see what's right in front of him. And one of the things, you know, he can't see objects at a distance. And we spiritually, we do this all the time. We, we look at this moment and, you know, like, uh, I mean, like yesterday, the, the grandbaby was born and she's beautiful. 
And some babies are not beautiful. Let me just say that. As a pastor, I've been at places and I'm just going, golly, it looks like a lizard to me. Okay. All righty. But this little girl yesterday, she's beautiful. Okay. She looks like her mother, which is also good um, because her father looks like me. And so, um, but she's beautiful. But the deal is, I mean, the reality is she, you know, don't get lost in the moment. I've got friends that would say, man, she's going to grow up and break your heart. Why do we need to say that at this very moment when she just came into the world? You know, or she's going to be a brat, or maybe she's going to be terrible. Or maybe, you know, I don't know what she's going to be. All I was doing holding her yesterday was I was just looking at the face of God and going, this baby's beautiful. And God, you really do make beautiful things. And I'm not going to freak out and worry about what's going to happen 18 years down the road. Because I just go, I would just, I should just go in a room and shut the door and turn the lights off and just forget it. Don't. But one of the things we have trouble with is everything for all of us is just right here. And we must be careful here. You know, in, in, in that old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Robert Robinson wrote these words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Could we just admit in this room today that all of us like to wander? You know, I... I, yesterday, because we, because the granddaughter was born yesterday, we have the two grandsons. They're five and four. And the four-year-old is, he might have a demon in him right now. I'm not really sure, okay? And, and my wife had warned me, but, you know, I, I was driving along, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and he's, he's up hanging on, you know the little handles they have in the cars? He's up hanging on that thing. Now, he's in his seat, and he's, he's buckled, but he's in his seat. And his feet are coming out of the chair, and he's looking at me, and I look at him in the rearview mirror, and I do this. I go, and he, I go, and I go, Rowan, I'm looking at you, and he looks back at me, and he goes, Boo, I'm looking at you too. <laughs> and I'm going, Son, you, Billy, you be careful. And I said, I, You need to fear me. And he just looked at me and just laughed. He's four years old, okay? He, does, he has a sin nature, I promise you. I've seen it, okay? In living color. In living color. My son, my, my grandson is just like all the rest of us. He's always grabbing at something. At some point during the drive yesterday, he decided it was really cool to pull his, to pop his seatbelt off, which I'm just thinking my wife is going to kill me. And I'm, but I'm also driving and I can't really get out of the car right now to do this. And I'm looking and I'm going, you better stay really, really still. And I pulled off to the side and I did stuff like you said, if I'm going to pull this car over, did your parents ever do that? I'm going to wear you out, whatever wear you out means, okay? And so we wonder. And so the psalmist questions his pursuit of righteousness. Is it really worth it? Was this fair? And I, I think one of the things that probably you, need, you and I need to lose that whole deal about fair. You know, one of my mentors used to say, if you want fair, God could send us all to hell, and that would be fair. We don't, we don't want fair. We want mercy. We want grace. We want all that. And Warren Wiersbe said this, when you and I start to question the, and forget the grace of God and the goodness of God, you will find it much easier to disobey the will of God. You know, he's looking and he says, unfaithful people, they're you know, far from God. And the Bible says those people will perish in this life as, the, as well as the life after, ever after. You know, people that live without God right now, they're going to get their wish. They're going to live without God which is going to be terrible. 
But then in verse 17, the psalmist does something really, really beautiful. It says, until I came into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. I understood their end. Surely you set the wicked-minded and immoral on slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They're completely swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream until one awakens, O Lord, when stirred, you will despise their image. And he just said they're in slippery, slippery places. So what do you do? How do you get perspective? How do you get perspective? Number one, in verse 17, he did something really, really cool. He ran to the right place. Most of us, when we get perspective, we go run to our friends or we go run to whatever, a book. Some of y'all go to the internet and you let, you know, you let the, the internet tell you. But in order for you to get proper biblical perspective, you have to run to the right place. And the psalmist ran to the sanctuary of God. He, he got alone with Jesus. Run to the right place. That's the first one. Um, and, and it's just beautiful. It says, I came to the sanctuary of God. And then he got perspective. Then I understood their end. And no, this is not going to end well for those folks. And so he got perspective. And then he, he, he cried out to the right person. He talked to God. Um, and he, it, it's beautiful. And I just asked you a question. Where's the first place that you run? You know, when a little kid's hurt, what do they do? They go to their mom. Um, they go to their mom. Why? Because, you know, their mom's the emotional anchor of the home. And if you guys think you're the emotional, the emotional anchor of the home, you should go to a doctor, okay? Because you're not, all right? Uh, one of the things that I've learned about my kids and my grandkids, my wife is the emotional anchor of our family, and, uh, and my kids run to her. And, and, and it's not bad. I also know that never get, I have a rule, and men, you should write this down probably, never get in the way of the womb, okay? Never get in the way of the womb. Don't get between your, your, your wife and your kids. You're going to get hurt there, okay? You're going to get hurt there. My wife still thinks about, my wife brought our kids into the world. I, I was only there visiting, okay? I was an observer, all right? And I didn't really want to be there. Uh, I love my wife, but I'm, I'm, I'm really squeamish and around blood and stuff. But my wife goes, you're not going anywhere. And I remember she held onto my finger until I thought she was going to stop all blood in my finger. And I thought, Kelly, and she goes, I'm hurting. And I'm going, so am I. And I thought, I'm a dumb guy. And I thought I was hurting as bad as she was. That's how stupid I am, okay? And no, you men don't say, you have no idea, okay? If you saw your wife bring a baby into the world, you saw somebody work for the first time in their lives, okay? All righty? Perspective is everything. You run to the right place. You, you cry out to the right person. And then you will come to the right conclusions. Verse 23, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the rock and the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He ran to the right place. He cried out to the right person and he came to the right conclusions. You know, if you go to the wrong person, you get the wrong kind of advice. My father, who was not a, not a Christ follower, when I was dating in high school, my dad said, here's my dad's rule. And uh, he, my dad's rule, well, he said, break up with girls before holidays and birthdays because it's just a lot cheaper. That was my dad, seriously. He wasn't a Christ follower, and he grew up in a really angry family, and he was a really angry man. So, but I want to say, would I have made a mistake listening to my father? Yes. 
Do you make mistakes? Do you go to people that you shouldn't be listening to ever? All the time. Somehow people are glued to things on television I, that make me crazy. One of my close friends who I think loves Jesus madly, he loves that, um, what's the show where you get the rose? What is that? Huh? The Bachelor. And now there's some show of some old geezer that's rich <laughs> getting, doing that. And this guy loves Jesus and he preaches in a pulpit every Sunday and he thinks that's one of the greatest shows on television. Which I worry about his salvation, honestly. <laughs> but if you run to the wrong place, you get wrong advice. You get wrong counsel. You get wrong counsel. And so this beautiful thing, the, the psalmist goes where he's supposed to go. He talks to who he's supposed to talk to. And then he gets perspective. And he came to the right perspective. And the, and the Bible says in those verses we just read that God holds us. Just think about what that means, that God holds you. It's kind of like yesterday when I was holding Lark, the little baby. Man, I was just thinking, I was looking in her, her eyes and I was just going, man, we are going to take a lot of naps together. And then probably when she's two, I'll give her back. And then when she's five, I'll come see her again. And uh, that was supposed to be funny. Okay. But we're going to spend a lot of time together. God holds us. The Bible says he guides us. But the psalmist also understood his own limitations. He says, my flesh and my heart, they will fail. They will. Not a soul in here. It's not true about you. The strongest guy in this room, your flesh and your heart will fail you more than once. And he said, but God is the rock and the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That means my inheritance, that God is my inheritance. So just uh, in closing, I just want to, what do we do with this? Number one, I just encourage you. Number one, to take the long look. Like I say, myopia. All of us are like, this is how close we are. Take the long look. I'll tell you a funny story. When my daughter and we graduated from high school, the one that goes to church here, and her mother, they went to Florida on vacation, a little senior trip, you know. I'm sure a lot of you do that with your kids. And um, I just took Jordan to Liberty University. And I took Adelie, my daughter, my granddaughter that goes to church here. I took her too because I wanted her to go to school there. It's a great school. And, um, but I, Jordan and, and Kelly, my wife went to Florida and while they were on the trip, they called me and they said, Hey, we want to get a tattoo together. This is about, God, this had to be 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago. And please hear me. I don't want to talk to you about the theology of tattoos at the end of the sermon. Okay. Don't, don't get bogged down in the story with that. Okay. But she they said, we want to get a tattoo. And they said, what do you think? And I'm going, well, I go, hey, you know, your body is your body. I just, I asked this simple question. 10 years from now, are you going to be happy that you did this? That's all I said. And I said, hey, y'all are big people. Do you have the money for a tattoo? Don't go into debt for it. Do you have the money for a tattoo? Do you know these things hurt? I didn't know that at the time, but I know they're hurt. Those are needles. They're real. And they do that thing. And uh, I'd heard rumors that if you get color, it's even more painful. I don't know why, but I just, I picked up some little tidbit of information. Well, they got home and I said, let me see the tattoos. And they said, we didn't get them because you ruined it for us. <laughs> you ruined it for us. And I said, I did not. I just said, take the long look. 
Just Jordan over time and Justin. Justin, my son almost married the weirdest person I think I've ever met in my entire life. I did say almost married. Man, we were praying to Jesus something good would happen, and it did. She went nuts, and he got to see it up close and personal. It was awesome. And the, the daughter-in-law I have now, I really like. More than my son, actually. So, take the long look. Take the long look. I, I, I just, you know, it's just the, the best way to go. Take the long look. Because I think, be careful of myopia. Because things up close are not always what they seem. I remember Jordan brought a boy home one time who, was, who went to the Virginia Military Institute. And he, was an, he, was, he came over to the house in full uniform. And he was nice and kind and he was a gentleman and everything. And I was a youth pastor and so I'd seen through all that stuff. And he left and I told Jordan, I go, that kid's trouble and you need to get as far away from him as you possibly can. He's going to break your heart. And she started crying, which I wasn't trying to get her to cry. I was just trying, I just said, that kid is not what he seems to be. You know, God's given us. Women have antennas about men and men have antennas about men, okay? Women have antennas about everything. Let me just say that, okay? Just for the record. So take the long look. The second thing is see the world for what it is. See the world for what it is. My buddy um, worked at Hewlett Packard in Dallas and he was the number one salesman in the world about seven or eight years ago for all of Hewlett Packard. He works for Amazon now, like everybody else, I think. But his boss at Hewlett Packard told him something profound that I've never forgotten. He said, don't love something that doesn't love you back. The psalmist, he was looking all around and he was seeing all these people and it looked like they were getting away with murder. And that my, one, one of the things my dad did tell me is true. Everything comes out in the wash. You know, everybody's gonna get theirs. I've whispered many a time, they're going to stand before Jesus and he's going to get them. He's going to get them. They're going to get what they asked for. So take the long look. The second thing is just, just remember, see the world for what it is. See the world for what it is. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, it says, as friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. And I do think we're too cozy in this world. We're too cozy in this world. Comfort is not something that Christians ought to be clamoring for. The gospel is not comfortable. If you're going to walk with Jesus, it's not comfortable. And it's getting less comfortable by the day. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And then in 1 John 2, in verse 15, it says, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. And is that not a picture of the world? Want, 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 want. Why is Amazon doing so well? Is because we want so much. And not only do we want so much, we want so much tomorrow and tonight. Amazon's going to be fine. And please hear me. I'm not telling you not to use it. I don't, you know, I think Jerry Jones is the antichrist. I don't think, I don't think the Amazon is, okay? I don't know. 
that was supposed to be funny too for any of you Houston fans. I lived in Dallas for 20 years and I used to make fun of the Cowboys. If you're a Cowboy fan, God bless you. I don't know why, but God bless you, okay? So, see the world for what it is. All this wanting, wanting, wanting. The Bible is the world's most accurate mirror. My pastor says this all the time. When we read the Bible, it reads us. When we read the Bible, it reads us. So I just asked you this morning. When you start to struggle with the world, what do you do? What do you do? Who do you run to? Who do you cry out to? And what, who do you run to? Who do you cry out to? And what kind of conclusion are you getting? And is it something that the Bible would, would just be right behind? We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.